Welcome to TribeCast. I am Forrest Walden, founder and CEO of Iron Tribe Fitness. And on this podcast, I am going to help you find your tribe and maximize your life. Welcome to another episode of TribeCast. Excited today to sit down with my longtime friend and true OG in the fitness world, Jeremy Teal. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Right on, Forrest. Thanks for having me on. So Jeremy is the co-founder of CrossFit Central, one of the true first affiliates in the CrossFit game, has a long background in fitness. He and I have run in the same circles for at least the last 10 years, Um, but he's also married to uh, his beautiful wife, almost 10 years now, who's also an avid um, workout fitness fanatic. I'm sure we'll talk about that as well as his two kids and uh, has a passion for leadership, entrepreneurship. And really, I mean, if you've ever had any contact with Jeremy, you know that he comes and brings the energy and the motivation and you'll get to experience that today. So really excited to have this conversation. So, Jeremy, for those who don't know you, other than just a little high-level overview I gave the listeners, introduce yourself and kind of talk about uh, how you got started and who you are today in business. Absolutely. Yeah, fitness has been um, a big part. But first, let me say, uh, Forrest, thanks for having me on, man. I know that we've been able to grow our relationship over the past decade and through fitness and and just our our you know fundamental belief in in Christ and all that so it's uh, uh, exciting to be able to have long-term relationships with people in the space in the industry so thank you for having me on and yeah, uh, yeah this this fitness vehicle is is just been uh, a part of my life from uh, you know a long time as a youth, um, you know, 10, 11 years old, getting picked on as a kid and, and making a commitment that, you know, I was picked on for my weight, that I would never be overweight. And I was going to show everybody that I was going to figure it out. And I was just going to be somebody with my life. And it's interesting. That was a great decision then. And it's interesting after 37 years, how that's caught up to me on different levels and challenged me where I had to redirect that vow that I made to myself. But Really, that started me on the course of pursuing health and wellness and fitness, and and I was just going to find a way. You know, I wasn't somebody that would quit. I was determined, and so I don't know how, but somehow um, I got access to information via going to the bookstore and reading Muscle and Fitness and Arnold Schwarzenegger's Bodybuilding um you know, encyclopedia, all that was my first introduction, but I was in sports. So I did off season strength conditioning. And so I got to learn the functional aspect of Olympic lifts being in West Texas, um, you know, conditioning and strength was a big proponent of football. So that was just a journey that my life really got started on. And, and even from the fact of nutrition, I was always learning and, and super interested in supplementation and, and all the aspects that it takes to become your best. And I was you know, blessed to have a great high school football coach, James Morton, uh, who's now in Eastland, Texas, uh, coaching there. He, he was all about self-development. So all these fundamental tools of who I am today were just placed in my life really early on. And I was just blessed to have those opportun- opportunities, which is, um, I mean, other than God putting them in alignment, I don't know how else it would have happened. The coach came in my junior year and just started giving leadership tools that really shaped the course of my adult life. And so all that is uh, was my genesis of you know what got me into the space and what really got me 
in the you know sports conditioning that's probably always been my background sports and conditioning um and so i you know working in that area as a youth i got to work in summer strength camps in the summer um while i was in college and that also thrived uh my desire to learn how to organize and structure because 80 percent of the athletes wouldn't do the workouts when i put them on the board so it really got me into the psychology of groups and team dynamics and how to learn how to organize and structure and um, that brought, brought me all the way to the point that I learned about CrossFit in 2005. And so it was a long journey of pursuit, but it's also funny as well. I did get in college. I was uh, down in, in San Marcos, Texas, outside of Austin, where triathlon was a major sport. And I was looking for something a little bit different. So I added that to the mix of what it was that I was doing. And so I got this unique, you know, connection of nutrition, strength, conditioning, um, all the aspects of that plus, um, you know, endurance and, and that brought me into CrossFit and, um, and, and it really got me into a great position, um, uh, coming into a diverse, you know, sport as such as that, but that's kind of my early stages for us. Okay. And so before you started a CrossFit gym, you were doing boot camp. You had a pretty successful boot camp business in Austin, correct? Yeah, you know, it was unique in the sense I was running strength conditioning camps, like I said, in the summers for college. And then I started a boot camp in uh, January or in, in August of before I got my CrossFit certification in December of 2005. So there's about a four month stint that I was doing boot camps, but we did run boot camps for about a year and a half, about 16 months um, before I opened up a training facility. So everything was ran outdoors and we ramped that really quick from 12 people to 150 people. We are growing a, uh, what we call a fit community back then. Um, and, and boot camps was my kind of crossover from strength conditioning with athletes into adult training and boot camps. And then uh, my sister, Carrie Kepler and I started CrossFit Central, our first um, sublet of like 500 square feet out of a personal trainer's gym um, was kind of our start. And what year was that? That was from 2005 to 2007. So it was about a two year stint that we were doing outdoor boot camps before we got a little square feet there. Okay, so in 2007, when you affiliated and started CrossFit Central, what number affiliate were you at that point worldwide? You know, it's, I always say we're right, right around 60th affiliate in the world. You know, I know they were coming on so fast. I never really know exactly which one it was, but right around 60. And how many are there today? You know, it's quoted, you know, 16,000 worldwide. 17,000. I don't know the exact number, but I know there's, you know, over 10,000 for sure. Yeah. So a true OG in the game. And obviously you've seen the industry change drastically some since 2007. We can certainly get into that, but catch us up just on the history of CrossFit Central, because you have a fantastic gym and history of, of growing it and moving it and growing it again and all you've been through. So talk about CrossFit Central. Yeah, for sure. You know, CrossFit Central when I was 24 is the age I was when I started and now I'm 37. So it's been a journey of life from a single, you know, super ambitious, motivated individual into marriage, into having children. So life really happened in a lot of different ways. Um, but throughout the first, you know, I would say from 2005 to 2012, that was prior to my son. You know, it was just, um, you know, seven years of, of, head down, working, 
strategizing, uh, coming up with um, how to grow this thing. We went from zero to zero clients to a thousand clients in in seven years. Wow! And it was massive expansion uh, in the way that we grew, and we went from zero to boot camps to um, at our peak in like two thousand and and ten. We had five locations, three legitimate facilities. And then we had two kind of like satellite out of other people's spaces spots. And, um, you know, that was, that was a journey. Cause my whole concept was, you know, there's different parts of the journey, you know, it's just massive growth and expansion strategizing. How can we impact the Austin fitness market? How can we be super successful? And, uh, we put the, you know, just started to grow, but 2012, was really a shift in the marketplace. And that's where we saw it in Austin. Every single market is different, but these are bell curves that are not unique to CrossFit. They're, they're in all businesses. And that's what I start to understand is, you know, what is early adapters? What is the growth curve? Where's the mass? And then where's the decline, you know? And so 2012 in Austin, it just came out of Reebok first sponsor in the games. And then CrossFit just hit the scene in Austin where, it probably grew at a hundred percent. You know, um, we are over a hundred boxes from 2012 to 2014. We definitely had over a hundred facilities in Austin grow. Wow. And so that unique strains on the inventory of individuals that are going to participate no matter what and commute. And so what we saw from 2009, to 2012, we had hundreds of athletes commuting 20 to 30 minutes to our facility and why we had made a gold standard for our name. But at some point, whenever the marketplace shifts and there's so many boxes that are within a time frame from individuals, you know, that 30 minute commute to our facility turns into a five minute commute, you know, lifestyle and, and traffic, even Austin's exploding, um, shifted the marketplace where we just weren't getting the growth that we had seen prior. And, um, and so we really stagnated as a business. And I would say a lot of my coaches matured from year one to year seven. A lot of them had been with me for seven years. Um, that when we started to stagnate, um, I believe that, you know, opportunities and desires for people to shift directions started to manifest. And, and that created a whole nother can of worms and transition of uh, mature coaching staff and um, rock stars wanting to go independent and do their own thing, um, laid some groundwork for some shifts. So, you know, you know, trying to bottle up, you know, over 13 years of, of uh, origin is pretty challenging. But, you know, in 2014, 13, 14, we had uh, probably half of our staff. We were up to over 30 coaches and staff members. We probably saw that shift uh, by lo losing about a third of those to new boxes opening and people's lives just shifting and moving into different directions. And really my understanding of the mass growth thought process of multiple facilities no longer was really a reality. And so I had to shift and understand, A, um, I have to keep my business running and successful as in 2012, I had my first son. So 2014, he was two years old. Um, 2014, um, we were um, um, just shifting. 2016, we had um, our second child. So through that period of time, a lot of business shift, life shift, and all that stuff. So a lot of changes. And, and so what we saw in the shift from 14 to 16 um, 
um, it was really holding on to what we had and, and maintaining as the market shift. Another thing unique to us for us is we ran what we call the closed class model where we ran a set number of classes per week, two classes and three classes per week. Um, the unlimited membership model shifted that because the demand from people moving in and expectation in the market for, hey, I want to be able to come six days a week. Um, shifted our business model too. And I had to begrudgingly let go of what I felt was the gold standard of um, accountability. Um, and so I had to make that bend in the marketplace as well. And so it really probably took us two years to adjust um, in that where 2017, I really felt like we found our bearings on how we offer our services and uh, what we do in the marketplace. So I, I would say like from you know, 18 and 19 have been really successful years if we pivoted, but we've also seen marketplace shift in um, boxes actually closing. And so um, as we've stayed true in the marketplace, offered our services, um, we've seen a, a really a, a regrowth in, in our space and success that has been um, pretty phenomenal. So uh, now that's encapsulating 10 years or, or 13 years of, of marketplace you know, involvement, but we've seen highs and we've seen lows and we've seen repositioning in the market to throttle into the next decade. And, and through all that, I've been able to learn so much about marketplace, but also where I believe the fitness industry is going next. And I've always been blessed with seeing, you know, the market shift and seeing what the marketplace is looking for um, at an early forefront. So I'm excited about where we're sitting right now, but I'm more excited about the next decade. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's awesome. So you circled the wagons, really focused on your core gym, your core product. You saw the proliferation of the movement of CrossFit and how it became really saturated. And now on the backside of it, you guys are still left standing and standing strong. So um, I would like to hear just briefly, like, why, what makes you excited about the ne next decade? You know what I'm getting, and, and this is like, I mean, this is going to get pretty in depth, but uh, um, where we're looking at a hundred year turning. And so I look at decades and centuries and we're in a why, you know, I analyze this disruption that's in the marketplace that why is it occurring right now? What we're really seeing is a paradigm shift in a generation. And when we look at the baby boomers and the shift from the mindset of what the millennial generation is requesting for lifestyle, we're seeing a generational turning. And I believe the next decade will be rapidly increasing what health and wellness from a preventative healthcare standpoint looks like. And I believe in, in, in what I really got a grasp on and now what I'm working in, what is called the, you know, somewhat the biohacking sphere, but really, you know, health augmentation and improvement of hormonal response via what I call phase one fitness, nutrition, uh, training and mobility. What is quickly advancing into what bridges the gap between healthcare providers um, and fitness uh, providers and in the medical arena. And I believe in the next 30 years that we're going to see a blurring of the lines where health and wellness um, technicians will very much be giving the data and inputs to the medical realm on a demand for, you know, the ongoing um, uh, preventative and uh, active lifestyle um, kind of uh, health care 
proponent. And so I feel like over the last, you know, 15 years being in the health and wellness, um, where I see myself playing into, you know, longevity and quality of life for individuals as I turn 37 next week or next couple weeks turn 38. Now I'm starting to look at the back half of what life looks like and how I'm going to impact that through my career and my profession. Um, so I think it's really exciting times. I think it far extends past the group fitness environment, which is very important, but it's going to be the categorization of where that falls in line with what it takes to be a healthy long-term individual. And when you talk to millennials, they're, they're looking at healthcare and uh, lifestyle and health and wellness and fitness from a totally different angle than the baby boomers. And so when you start to grasp that, their investment is totally different, but it's, it's very much directed in that channel. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, it's a unique point in the industry. And really, I mean, it has to go more healthcare, preventative healthcare versus the sick care we've been doing. We just, it just can't sustain uh, much longer. And I like you think that's the blue ocean uh, going forward. All right. So obviously you've been very successful with the fitness industry. You have one of the best gyms in Austin. I know it's consistently voted that way. You've got um, a great team, tons of clients. I want to talk about what you do as a leader uh, to make sure you're equipped and in power across the other domains of your life. I know you're not just a business guy. You're also a family guy. You're also very, um, focused on your own fitness and your faith. So I want to transition and talk. Let's start with body. Um, What do you do in your own routine now, almost 38? And then how does that differ from maybe what you used to do? Because some might know you as not only OG in the affiliate world, but also OG as a CrossFit Games competitor. In fact, you were in the first documentary, Every Second Counts, and, um, you know, you had a good showing in that and really knew that, you know, this is the sport you wanted to pursue. How has that shifted over the years or has it shifted for your own training? Yeah, for my own training, absolutely. And that's just getting awareness, you know, um, and it's the evolution of my really my ability to understand the human body and the potential of it. And and early on, you know, I was very struck on the the soft tissue of the body the joints and the ligaments and the brain and how my mindset can push my physical body as far as it can go and again what i call phase one nutrition fitness and mobility and so um competing at a high level uh was totally possible because i had the ability from my history to step into the crossfit space and compete and in the sport of CrossFit, you could you could mentally overcome, especially in the early days. It was much less skill oriented. And so I thrived in that space because I grew up on a farm in West Texas and um, and worked hard in the summers. We did strength conditioning. It was my lifestyle. It was my background. And so I fit into it very well. But what happened in the sports space is that, you know, the athletes got better, but the skills got uh, elevated and I was unwilling um, to shift and increase my skill sets. And, and that limited me. But what I did do for about, I competed from 2007 to 2015. And I competed on a games level or a regional level every year for like literally, I think it was nine years. 
um, the last 2015, I was on a team at regionals and, uh, I, and, and it was pretty much will, but you know what I did over that course of period of time, I really burned up my nervous system. When you talk about overdrive and sympathetic dominant and just driving all the gears way too far, that's exactly what I did. And, um, there's going to be a casualty on the backside of that. And it, it really threw my body off. And you, and you talk about the perfect storm. Uh, when I had a one-year-old, when I had some business shifts and whenever my body started to falter, um, you talk about uh, recipe for destruction and uh, you talk about what someone called burnout. That's what I hit. So it really, I'm always uh, learning from experience and uh, it made me shift the way that I approach fitness because from 2016 to 17, I literally just stopped for about six months doing anything. Um, I would started, I, I couldn't really do much anything. I would say I was, um, physically, mentally, uh, just burnt. And so I had to shift to how can I fix this? And that's whenever I started to learn about, um, Wim Hof method has become a super crucial, cold, hot exposure, saunas, ice training with Laird Hamilton, Gabby Reese and their XPT training, um, got to train with Wim Hof, learning the power of breathing and different methods of breathing, not just Wim Hof to augment the nervous system, which really started to open up a whole new space for me, understanding how the nervous system works, how the endocrine system works, how the liver, the organs, the heart, the brain, how all of our full body systems work to augment and impact performance and experience. And it really shifted my mind into understanding hormones and how those impact performance and, and really breaking down the autonomic nervous system, the fight or flight and the rest and recover and understanding what I did to myself for a decade. And, um, so that kind of fast forwards me to today, you know, I've very, uh, intentionally implemented, uh, recovery into my space. Um, I've, uh, partnered with, um, pulse centers, PEMF pulse electromagnetic field company out of Atlanta, Georgia that helps with, uh, putting voltage back in the body through direct current. Um, I utilize biomodulation, red light therapy, um, at my house. I do breath and cold exposure one to two times committed a week. Um, and then I do my CrossFit training, uh, probably two to three times a week, very much scaled to my fitness ability. Uh, yesterday, for instance, I did five rounds of increased ladder of double unders, 25, 35, 45, 55, increased pull up seven, nine, 11, 13, 15 with, um, 10 consistent GHD sit-ups. I did five rounds of that. It took me about, it took, uh, what, 10 minutes to do couple with some overhead squatting and that was my training. So it was probably a 30 minute session of what would be considered CrossFit. Um, and I'll do that two to three times a week, couple with some endurance training. I love to run cause it clears my mind, allows me to focus, but also I get to sweat and move. Um, so that's kind of my regimen, um, as a whole, but I would say it's a, almost a full spectrum of fitness, uh, couple with recovery. And so I also am been wearing the, uh, whoop band. I got introduced to whoop about a year and a half ago. Um, so I can track specifically not for performance, but my heart rate variability, understanding HRV metric is super important for the nervous systems recovery on a daily basis, weekly basis and an annual basis. 
So I'm taking all those proponents of what I've learned over the last five years of burnout to now I say highly vital and thriving um, and dial that into my life today. So that's kind of like, again, I feel like I'm throwing the kitchen sink at your forest with all the insights or information I'm sharing with you. But that's kind of been a journey that I've gone through and going from a 20 year old fire breather to a 37 year old, you know, still hanging, but um, heavily, re- you know, focused on recovery. Well, you know, what's interesting. I've had, you know, 30 odd conversations so far on this podcast, a lot of successful entrepreneurs. And most people's story is, hey, I was building this business and I poured everything into it and I let certain elements of my life go. A lot of times fitness was the first thing to go. And then I had realized you had an awakening, whether it was a health issue or a comment from their spouse or something drove them back into the gym and they realized how much more effective they are in working out. But for you, and I can relate, I'm a little bit ahead of you. I'm 43, but you actually burnt out from too much training and too much of a good thing is obviously not a good thing. Everything in moderation. So even with your fitness, you're learning to value recovery and all these other techniques to make sure that you're not burning out in your body component and have nothing to give in the other domains. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, absolutely. But what I'm now experiencing is that that having a healthy balance, because it's kind of like everything. At one point, I got overly focused on recovery. I don't know if you see like the biohacking guy that's only biohacking. It's like you got to have that equilibrium of, of recovery and stressors. So it's the bio, it's the modulation of stress and recovery on the nervous system, on the muscles, on the mind that now you're starting to see in pop culture as a whole is the stress that creates the growth. And you got to have a healthy balance of that. And I'm talking about elite mental performance, elite physical performance for where I am in life. Well, that's well said. I got to tell one story as it relates to body. You may not even remember this, but you and I ended up, I think, at the same uh, CrossFit Level 1 certification. It was probably 2010, maybe 2009. And the second day there was a workout, and it was Fran, which is one of the most famous CrossFit workouts. And I was determined to beat you in that workout. And you were way ahead of me on 21 and 15, but come around on nine, I think I caught you and beat you by like one second at the end. I think we both finished around two minutes and 30 seconds, which I think would kill me um, at this moment. Um, But anyway, just a funny story. Do you remember that at all? Man, I remember that, sir. I don't remember that, Fran. I mean, it's a it's a kind of a distant memory, but No, that sounds about right. I'll, I like the time. I'll keep the two thirty time. That's good. But uh, um, if you, if I would have known I was competing with you, I might have pushed it a little bit harder. <laughs> well, I didn't tell you till the end. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about balance. You know, the first couple of years that I was in kind of your world, talking business, you were hundred percent hard charging uh, entrepreneur. But then you added a wife to the mix, and now you've added kids. So. Talk about that and what it's like, you know, as a father and husband. And um, it's so easy as an entrepreneur to spend all of your energy and planning time at work and and save nothing for the family. How are you able to create balance across uh, both family and work? You know, this is my wife is an alpha. Um, I say we're both pit bulls. 
and we're hard chargers. You know, she's competed at the games four or five times herself. Um, she's hyper, you know, uh, focused on, you know, being the best she can be. And, and whenever I couldn't really communicate it, but this really drove me even more in my desires to understand the nervous system. And so, um, you know, we tend, maybe sometimes we mesh with people that, that, um, equal balance us out as a partner. When we got married, um, you know, we, both were running with sport. We were both running in life and then kids thrown in the mix changes things up. And so it really drove me to start to understand. Um, and again, I take this from an angle of, of science, uh, understanding the nervous system and understanding what fight or flight is. And if you got both two people hard charging and they're in the sympathetic, you know, fight or flight state, you're either going to have a fight or they're going to flight. And, and what I've learned over the last you know, three years of really how to, uh, what, what is um, called, you know, dial up or dial down my nervous system through breathing and how to set the template for how I enter into relationship with my wife and what's necessary. And um, is a very um, tactical um, process if an intention, um, if you're able to, you know, be patient enough to do it. Um, and so um, that's been a huge implement for us because, you know, I'm going when I'm going to go to work and depending on what type of attitude or atmosphere I want to create, um, I got to be aware of. And so so I was had to be very intentional about the way that I dealt with uh, my home life because it, I mean, just tell you, it was like it, it was it was hard. I mean, having a kid and having uh, the relationship and all that stuff, it was it was very challenging. Uh, whenever you're trying to be uh, an A-type personality and whenever you have somebody that is challenging that um, and you're trying to not dial back who you are, um, you know, how do you find that balance? And the only way I could do it was figuring out how to adjust, you know, the way that I step into the room. And so um, it's been great because we do the sauna and ice, the breathing and the training and all that and aware of it together. So it allows us both to positively uh step into the environment and if somebody's a little bit out of whack we can step away and go and breathe and we're like hey i need to step away and and it allows us to have tools if you will to uh be better partners in our relationship and marriage and even be better parents so is that something that you have at your gym or is that a facility you go to or something you do at home yeah, we've been incorporated through um, XPT, which again is the Laird Hamilton Gabby Reese's program. Uh, we have the sauna and ice and uh, breathing we offer at our facility um, three days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. And we allow six to eight individuals to process through that, going through breath training, going through ice, going through sauna, back and forth. Um that we do at the, at the, at the gym, but also at the house, you know, simply breathing or doing a hot, cold contrast shower. But, you know, in a very specific, you know, if anything's going on right there in the house, I mean, you step away and just breathe and uh, you're going to have some impacts in your nervous system. Interesting. So um, have not had that tip before, but I like that. And I'm, I am familiar with Wim Hof, have not done any training uh, with him, but sounds like you're getting a lot of benefit from it. So I might need to redouble my efforts on that. Um, anything else? What about with your kids and, and father? Like, how do you create alone time with them and make sure that you're uh, investing in that most important relationship? Absolutely. You know, that being a good father and, and, being intentional, being aware of, you know, 
their the, my children's impact from me um, as top priority, you know, as a believer and and just making sure that I'm, um, you know, doing doing uh, what God has put me here to be as a father. And, uh, you know, that comes from a faith standpoint. Um, I know it's very clear that that if I'm not surrendering and being committed to my faith and being in communion with God, um, I'm not going to be the man that I can be for my children. And that really sets, sets my spirit as well on how I engage and work with them, um, you know, or engage them as a parent. Um, but, you know, one big proponent that we've always been big on prior to children with children is personalities and we study personality profiles and love languages. And so, you know, the five love languages, um, uh, the gems training for personalities by Danny Johnson's big, and then even like wild at heart. So, um, understanding the, the son's heart, understanding the daughter's heart and really making sure that we're speaking into that and giving them an environment to thrive. And we do a lot of, teaching by doing, you know, and, and living and being. And so we get to, um, our, you know, we go to service on Saturday night, which is usually a praise and worship service. We'll go to a, um, Sunday church service. So we listen to praise and worship music, um, all the time in the background, just setting the environment and then, um, and then understanding my child's love language and understanding my child's, um, you know, desired way of engagement, all those, um, I practice and am aware of if it's, you know, from wild at heart learning, I get in there and rough house with my son and he loves it. And, and you see him, you know, feedback to that. But, you know, my son's a lot like my wife or my, my son's a lot like me and my daughter's a lot like my wife. And, and so we're able to kind of see that and understand who they are. And, and again, not make them out to be us, but understand the basics of who they are like us. And it helps us to speak in and, and do um, activities with them that's going to help them to thrive and, and come alive as, as young people. Because that's really our goal is to uh, create a thriving environment for them to be alive and, and express themselves. So my son's an artist. You know, he he'll work through six to eight drawings before school and he'll come back. We have a whole art area set up for him, but also he's in soccer. And so he loves to do art. We have a whole setting of, of crowns and pencils and markers for him. And then my daughter, my daughter likes to basically do whatever my son does at this time, but uh, both of them really thrive in that environment um, that we've been creating. And, you know, just recently, to be honest, like, I mean, with my daughter, even she's super stubborn and not to say my wife's that way, but I think they fell from the same tree. And um, we brought in a child, uh, you know, um, specialist to work with us on, you know, how to engage her. And, and instantly she's like, you know, you need to do this. Um, by taking away her bottle that she's drinking um, juice out of, which is a, a hydration product that we give her um, electrolyte drink. And, and uh, we did that and then making her stay in a room. So we brought outside counsel in to help us to make a good decision on how to support her. So with all these different stressors pulling you in different ways with, you know, being married, being a father, having the gym, taking care of your own body. I'm, I'm really curious what your morning routine looks like because I've heard very um, different approaches to morning routine, always working out in the morning for some, some never working out in the morning. What do you do? What time do you wake up? What does that look like for you? 
yeah, mornings are important, you know? And so for me, I'm up either at 4.15 or at 5.15. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I get up at 4.15 a.m. And that's an hour buffer between why I'm going to engage people at the facility, um, or uh, a meeting, um, Tuesday, Thursday, I'm up at five 15. So I want to get an hour of waking up and then I go through my basics of like, um, you know, shaving my face, washing my face, just clearing that, um, very simple, taking my supplements that I take, um, in the morning, um, very intentional in that aspect. And then really trying myself some days I do, it, it varies. I'm not going to say it's the same every single day. And I think it's important to have, um, some variance in your morning routine and, and being able to do that. So it depends if I'm going to implement some of my biohacking tools, like my, um, uh, red light. I use the juve light. Um, I also have a PEMF device at my house that I'll use depending on what my energy is that morning. Um, and then from there, I usually will read some sort of information for personal growth or spiritual growth in the morning. Um, if it's my um, daily journal, if it's my daily uh, devotional um, in that sense. But my my number one priority is to wake up one hour prior to really allow myself to get set for the day and get my mind and my intention for what it is. And I think it draws up sometimes. It's kind of like that. Um, sometimes it's more focused and sometimes it's less focused depending on the season of life that I'm in. But what that allows you to do is take care of yourself first and go through your routine so that when you show up for that first meeting, you're in power and you're not just dragging yourself there and rubbing the sleep out of your eyes, right? Absolutely. And so, you know, I'm working actually with Jim Hensel from Mayhem Mindset, who works with Rich Froning and their team on their fitness pro on their mindset. And, uh, you know, he's really talks about, are you an influencer? Are you being influenced? And that really um, makes me intentional about what information's coming into my mind and what, how I'm setting my mindset and my intention before outside influences try to impact me. And so that's really important for me as I'm getting up in the morning. That's really probably my number one outside of any activity I'm doing is, is setting my mindset and intention before anything else starts to penetrate me. Well, let's, let's switch and talk about being. Um, obviously, you're a believer and it's really um, undergirded everything you've done in your uh, in your business and with your family. Talk about your relationship with Christ and how that's of foremost importance to you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, in my journey, you know, I was born into a Christian family. And so faith has been um, foundational for me from day one, you know, it's just been who I am, but I definitely have had a, a calling to the heart of Jesus from early um, age. And, and um, I just really knew that that I wanted to be in relationship with God, um, in some way, but as a, as a youth and as a young person and as a young 20 something, my mind was always built around, I need to do something as a doer. And in really when my, everything shifted me from a faith standpoint, I moved from doing for God into relationship. And, and I had a, again, a mentor that I'd hired to work with me. Um, I was asking him specifically about, you know, uh, what I can do for Christ. And he, 
told me, you know, it's about relationship first and foremost, because I don't really think God needs you to do anything for him. And that was a major shift for me and my mindset and uh, allowed me to move really into my heart and relationship with Christ. So that was a journey that was probably around like 2015 that I started to fundamentally understand what an authentic relationship with Christ was it was highlighted to me. I didn't think that I just had it just yet. And it put me on a pursuit of relationship. And, and really, you know, from the last four to five years, that has been my intention and been a growth that has just really shifted my whole reality in my relationship and has impacted every other aspect and really understanding, um, you know, God and how he works through, um, the spirit, you know, of the Holy spirit works through the God, the father and, and the son and how that just allows me to quantify, you know, what God wants me to do here. And, and the deal is as a believer and an entrepreneur, you know, evangelism, reach out has been always a part of my heart. But what God has really revealed to me is, um, you know, entrepreneurship is a gift that God gave me for his kingdom. And I don't as much need to be concerned about entrepreneurship because that's what I do. But in being relationship, he will empower me to be the best entrepreneur I can be. So it always comes back to relationship, relationship as a father, relationship as a spouse, always comes back to faith, then the activity that God's going to bless me to be the best person I can be for. So the shift from doing where you're trying to, in essence, earn your way to relationship and just abiding and letting him uh, work through you has made, sounds like it's made all the difference. Yeah. You know, it's this intimate relationship and, uh, and surrender and through intimacy and surrendering, um, then my, my strengths are amplified. And so that's been a massive, you're correct. There's been a massive shift. And I wouldn't even, you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't even have said like, oh, I'm trying to do to earn, but that's what I was doing. Even I was just not aware of it. Do you have any kind of uh, small group? of men, any kind of accounting accountability group in your yeah, life? Absolutely. That's a fundamental uh, piece to the success that I've had is, is having accountability and having individuals around me, keeping me grounded. So I do, so we go to church service um, in a non-denominational on Saturdays and we go to a Catholic mass on Sunday. And then on Wednesday, I go to a non-denominational Bible study on Wednesdays. And then um, I format that routine and then I have accountability. I, you know, this season that I'm walking in right now, I had some really uh, good friend of mine named Buck. We were tied together um, doing some men's ministry um, once a week. That kind of has faded out as he's gotten busy with work. But those touch points for me on a weekly basis, I, there's just no way I could be where I am if I didn't have in my faith, if I didn't have those weekly touch bases. And I also love to listen to uh, praise and worship pretty consistently and, and uh, sermons. I have some people I like to listen to uh, as well on podcasts. Well, we certainly are not meant to live in isolation, but I just know as hard chargers, entrepreneurs, leaders, people who are creating things, man, it's easy to put your head down and be myopic on what you're building and and become isolated. So um, it's interesting to me 
pretty much everyone I've talked to on this show is really stressed accountability. Um, and you've hit on a lot of topics that we've heard consistently, and that's because success leaves clues. If you want to find someone who's been successful doing something you want to do, then, you know, go out and find them and then model them. So appreciate you sharing some of your tactics and uh, rhythms with us. It's certainly beneficial. Thanks for carving out some time for us. I know this will be impactful for uh, the listeners and I appreciate having yeah, you absolutely on. Absolutely, Forrest. I feel like I'm all over the place um, with our talk today. So hopefully there's some nuggets in there for some people, man. But um, I would just reiterate uh, surrender and surrender is probably the most fundamental key for me that is is uh, now allowing me to really live out my dreams. I, I really feel like in 37 years, I'm really starting to walk out living out my dreams that God has put in my heart. And it all came from surrender. And that's really my number one thing. And this is, a, I always want to add this for us is surrender can be elusive. What God really revealed to me that surrender is active. It's not passive. And as a doer, being passively mm. surrendered sounded like death. But when God revealed to me that surrender was active and it was pursuing God and being with God, uh, surrender became a whole nother dimension for me. And living out that part has been a gift and a dream come true. Man, that's a good word. Thank you for that. And uh, because surrender does not come naturally, you've got to seek it. Um, all right. Well, Jeremy, thanks. It's been a great conversation. All right. Appreciate thank you, you. Both.